lights. It's seven Friday night. Welcome to the newest episode of Seven Friday Night. I'm Sports Stars Magazine editor Chase Bryson, and I'm once again joined by my co-host. He won't pull any punches, especially not this week, and he can make a fine guacamole. It's Ben Enos. What's up, my peoples? <laughs> How are you, Ben? Well, let me uh, give the our good podcast listeners, our loyal following, uh, some insight into our lives uh, behind the scenes because Chase has a life and I don't inevitably I end up sitting here waiting to record while he does other things. So that made me grumpy, but then I listened to the calm down podcast with Aaron Andrews and Carissa Thompson. And that actually did serve to calm me down because Carissa told a hilarious story, not so hilarious for her about her dog getting a ticket in Santa Monica. So if you're an NFL fan, give that pot a listen. Good humor, good football. Can't go wrong. Now, as everyone knows by now, if you listened last week, Chase was again absent from the sidelines last week, sipping beers and watching dueling pianos in San Diego. So in honor of that, I am tossing you a spur of the moment, fill the gap. And this week it is quite simple. When your partner in crime leaves you, and all you have is your tears, the best comfort food to bring you back to life is blank. Oh, wow. The best comfort food to bring me back to life would be nachos. Wrong. Everyone knows the answer is tacos. Tacos <laughs> solve everything. I, you can't go wrong with tacos either. I Honestly, any, any kind of Mexican food. Sometimes I just prefer a good bean and cheese burrito. That's it. Just the bean and cheese burrito. I don't need all the fancy fillings. Just give me a good bean and cheese. That's why the listeners like you. No, you don't need fancy stuff. <laughs> no frills, Bryson. That's what but, they call me. But you are wrong. It's tacos. <laughs> okay. Okay. Tacos it is. All right. So we'll put tacos aside. Any good Mexican. You shouldn't ever put tacos aside or any good Mexican food aside. You should keep it in front until it's gone. But let's get to some football. It is a big week on the board. Uh, plenty of top 20 matchups. I'm, I'm actually quite excited about this week. Lots to look forward to. Hold on, hold on. Before you start getting into next week, this week, next week, anytime, I would like to call for a football festivus airing of grievances. Do you <laughs> what agree? Does that entail? Okay. <laughs> so for Seinfeld fans everywhere, uh, I do not have a festivus poll, and there will be no feats of strength. <laughs> But if you could see my text messages to Chase over the weekend while he was away, you would know that I am vexed over one particular trend that I have started to see and read about in high school football this year. So I know that we like to be funny and jovial at all times. This is not that. Let's get a little heavy, peoples. All right. Now, I am among the many, many people who is over the moon happy to have high school football back. Fans in the stands, football on the field, getting back to it has been fantastic. But with that return has come a disturbing trend that I've begun to see, and it is coming off the field. I'm concerned that being locked up in our houses for 18 months has caused people to forget how to act in public. 
let's review some of the incidents we've seen recently. Last week, the East Bay Times reported that a brawl in the stands at Mount Diablo forced the Red Devils to forfeit their game against Mission San Francisco. In Rockland, our friends at Cal High Sports reported that the crowd started tossing F-bombs both at Del Oro and the current president of the United States. A few weeks ago, someone yelled gun at the Sheldon Franklin Elk Grove game, and that game got scrapped at halftime. Bring it back to last week at my game, where Monta Vista beat El Cerrito in an otherwise unremarkable high school football game, and the Mustangs players couldn't get to the handshake line because the Monta Vista student section rushed the field for a win over El Cerrito in September. So I've been thinking a bunch about fan behavior these last couple of days, and I think it's kind of on everyone to take a step back and chill the heck out. Yes, it's awesome that we're back to Friday Night Lights, but that doesn't mean we can all go insane in the membrane. Maybe this is a PSA, maybe it's just me being cranky, but in the era of schools actively fighting to get fans back in their stands, and we know schools are actively having to fight to get fans back in their stands, we have to remember that nobody has a right to go see these games. We have to chill out and make these events fun, not hazardous to one's physical or mental health. And in case you think I'm just ranting for the sake of it, let me remind you that I've seen in the past month two outstanding examples of how high school football of how high schools can handle big rowdy crowds heritage did a tremendous job at its homecoming and that was because you could see administrators moving around interacting with students creating a great environment to celebrate high school football the week before at burrell field in san leandro san leandro played bellarmine there was a fight in the home stands and san leandro's principal got on the microphone and said look we know who's doing this knock it off or there will be consequences. Guess what? They knocked it off. Football was played. Everyone had a good time. So this can be done. I just think folks should take a step back and enjoy high school football for what it is, a great community event centered around a great game. That is my Festivus airing of grievances. Thank you for letting me get this off my chest because I've been grumpy for like four days about this. You make some very fine points there. I, I cannot fault any of those grievances. They are on point. I'm very much here for them. And I think that we should continue this a little bit further. And maybe you can offer some helpful advice to those who may want to storm the field at a future game when, when their school wins in a big matchup. Hopefully not in September or early October, somewhere along down the calendar. What would be Ben Seven Friday Night Code of Ethics storming the field do's and don'ts go this is a very this is one of the easiest questions you've asked me in a long time <laughs> it's very simple it is a giant don't <laughs> don't storm the field i've stormed a field before and i will be the first to tell you it is dangerous i had to slide down a tarp to get there and i look back on that situation thinking i probably shouldn't have done that there is zero reason to storm a field or a court as especially with high school athletes on a losing team who are probably not super thrilled to have just lost a game, probably not in a great state of mind, and then having to be confronted with fans wanting to remind them of their failure. Like, buy a ticket, enjoy the game, celebrate a win, don't storm the field. Done. All right, there you have it. It's a very simple, simple, uh, simple line in the Code of Ethics. That's right.
Yes. All right. Do you have any other do's or don'ts uh, that may not pertain to no. field rushing? I've hijacked our football-centric podcast uh, long enough. You know, if you actually want to talk about football analysis, maybe I can indulge you a little bit. Okay. Then I say we get on with week seven of the NorCal high school football season. On paper, it looks like October will be starting with a bang. There are three matchups between top 20 teams plus several other solid matchups involving ranked teams. And we'll talk about several of those games during picks later. But what I'm most looking forward to see play out is certainly number seven, Bellarmine of San Jose at number four, Sarah San Mateo on Saturday afternoon. Because to this point, Sarah just has, in my mind, Sarah just hasn't faced an opponent that can truly help us get a read at to just how good the Padres are. We know they're very good, but just how good we don't, you know, yet, because I don't think they've played the caliber of opponent that uh, the Bellarmine is. So Bellarmine's going to be that opponent. Um, and I'm excited to see how that the matchup plays out among many other matchups that I'm looking forward to. That's the one uh, do you have a result you are most interested in seeing this week? It's you're, you're spot on. When I looked at the list of games, uh, there are some incredible matchups in Northern California, but this one's easy to me. Bellarmine at Sarah. Bellarmine's caught lightning in a bottle so far this year, and I know we'll both go in-depth on this one probably later when we do our picks, but come on. Saturday afternoon football in San Mateo, that, that's must-see stuff. Who gets the, the early leg up in the West Catholic Athletic League? Um, you know, I'm super curious to see how that turns out. Uh, but, well, you know, I talked up a couple – other leagues last week, namely the West Catholic Athletic League and the Sierra Foothill League. Uh, let us not forget that at the very beginning of the year, yours truly predicted <laughs> that the <laughs> Valley Oak League would be the most compelling title race in the Sac Joaquin section this year. That's in writing. <laughs> that statement holds this week with a Central Catholic Oakdale showdown that I will force you to address in picks a little later in the show. But I think I've already been proven right after two weeks of league play because last week, if you weren't paying attention, you should have because the most entertaining game possibly in all of Northern California took place in Tracy or Kimball of Tracy went toe to toe with Oakdale and came out with a 63 to 56 win. Senior quarterback Nicholas Coronado, who you've been talking up to me for a few weeks now went 33 for 46 for 508 yards and seven touchdowns and also rushed for 54 yards and another score. Kimball must have the game genie plugged in because <laughs> in five games, Mr. Coronado has over 2,000 yards passing, 77% completion rate, and uh, no big deal, 27 or 25 to three touchdown to interception ratio. Add all that up, and we knew what we needed to do this week. We needed to talk to this guy. So without further ado, let's listen into our conversation with Kimball of Tracy quarterback, Nicholas Coronado. Well, we're pleased to be joined this week by uh, a quarterback putting up some incredible numbers and a team putting up some incredible numbers. Kimball of Tracy quarterback, Nicholas Coronado. We, we listed some of the incredible stats that he and the Jags have been putting up so far this year. So instead of going over all that again, we'll just welcome Nicholas to the show. How's it going, man? Good. How are you guys doing? Awesome. We're good, man. Thanks for joining us. Um, I appreciate it. having me. So let's start with last week because last week seemed like a, uh, an absolute insane football game. You've been in a few shootouts already, right? So, but that was easily maybe the closest game you guys have played this year. So kind of tell us a little bit about what, what worked for you guys on, on Friday night and what it was like pulling off that big win. 
But, uh, yeah, like you said, it was a big win. But I think it started uh, before Friday practice. You know, we went into that week uh, wanting to compete against each other, make each other better. And I feel like we just bought in all together. So when Friday came, we just told each other all be great when we play football. So during all the highs and lows of the game, we try to keep each other up, push each other's chins up while we seen some of us drop our heads. We all wanted to be leaders on the field and, you know, push our heads up. So, you know, what I think went right is I feel like we all came together. We wanted it more and we just made plays when it counted. And I was just glad our defense got to stop at the end. But we knew Oakdale was going to come in and they're as a physical team. That's a great team to play against. And, you know, nothing but love to that school. But it was our homecoming. And, I, you know, we felt like we had to pull it off for the school. And, yeah, that crowd was – it was crazy. So, you know, I was kind of happy to get that win and glad our team got that win. Frequent listeners of our podcast will know that um, before the year – and I reminded Chase of this in our earlier recording today – uh, I predicted that the Valley Oak League would be the league that you would most want to watch the title race because of the incredible amount of talent that is in this league. What is it like to play in this league this year with so many good teams and so many good players, you guys included? Uh, playing in the league, man, we know it's a physical league, a lot of talent. You know, you have Manteca East Union, you have Oakdale, you have Central Catholic, you know, they have all great athletes on that team. But just playing in that league, you know, it's a blessing because everybody wants to come see you play. They have big names, too. So when you guys collide, you know, all eyes are on that game. But just going into every game, playing in the Valley Oak League, it's just knowing it's going to be physical and it's going to be a lot of back and forth. Like you said, it's going to be a shootout. Some teams just run the ball, but, you know, it's kind of changed over the years. You know, now they're passing a lot. So just happy to see everybody competing and at the end it's all respect at the end of the day so you know just love playing in the league and uh love getting to interact with the athletes at the end this is kind of a senior uh, this is kind of a senior-led group it would seem i mean i'm just looking at the stats that are on mass preps and a lot of the key players seem to be seniors including yourself when did it kind of go the light bulb go on to make you guys think that you could make a run this year like you're doing so uh, going into junior year you know COVID shut everything down and we all just kind of try to get together when we could outside of online school and go to parks to get some uh, kind of chemistry together. But going into the junior year, we knew that it was a five-game season. We weren't going to have any playoffs, so we had nothing to lose. So we knew we were going to get all, all we had and just try to get wins. And right after the season ended, we were all quickly into the weight room, trying to get chemistry, learn the playbook as fast as we can. So coming into uh, practice when summer ball started, we just knew, like, if we can actually com- compete and make each other better, like, we can go pretty far. So, I mean, right now, you know, it's looking pretty good for us, 5-0, kind of happy. But we know we have some big tests coming up, so just trying to get ready for those games and uh, just trying to get better. I'm curious about you guys as a school as a whole. Kimball didn't exist until 2009. I mean, for such a young school and a young football program and you guys trying to kind of – build the culture and build the traditions that will go along with with Kimball football for so long what's it like to kind of be part of a newer school and to, you you mentioned homecoming this week especially like that in some instances I feel like a good football team helps establish those traditions that will be there for a long time I, I would think yeah uh being at a young school I mean it's a good thing and I guess a bad thing because when going into the school Kimball was known as not the best school in, in town. We we're known as like kind of like the little brother because Weston Tracy's been there longer than we have. So 
you know, this senior class, we just, we just want to beat everybody. Just kind of, we want to like own the city kind of, and just have Kimball on the map. And uh, like you said, homecoming was, uh, it was big. So having a tradition like that, and I feel like the outcome we had of the game, and I was glad a lot of people came out to watch the game. Uh, the crowd was packed and just being there, being involved in the game, seeing everybody, uh, you know, into the game, both sides, Oakdale too. They, they brought their, they brought their city too. So just seeing everybody um, hyped up and just involved with everything, you know, it was good. And like you said, having a good football team, I feel like builds a tradition and, you know, people are just all eyes are on football right now. So, you know, I feel like that is right. And, you know, I feel like hopefully we just keep building the tradition and uh, just leave a good legacy for everybody uh, in after us. I'm going to state right now, for the record, if anyone ever tells you that you play favorites, that's baloney. Because I'm looking at your top two receivers right now, Willie Clifton and Mesa Rivera. One's got 35 catches. One's got 36. You spread the rock, man. <laughs> What's yeah. What's play with those guys? Oh, uh, those guys, you know, they're like, both of them are just like my brothers. I grew up with Mason since we were seven years old. I've known Willie for uh, about four or five years now. And just being able to grow up with them, uh, watch – just develop with them, mature with them, and, you know, getting the ball out to them. You know, I can trust them with the ball. All our receivers, though, we have Travis Mario, Eric Gordon, Dylan Anderson. You know, I love spreading the ball out, seeing everybody uh, get in the end zone, you know, celebrate, get their catches. But those two, uh, Willie and Mason, uh, those guys, man, I think uh, they're trying to put each other – they're trying to put um, themselves on the map, definitely. Like, being on a bye week this week, uh, they're both really upset. They're like, we they want to play so bad. They want to get a game, so – playing with those guys, those two guys, you know, they're playmakers. So getting the ball out to them, <clears throat> I know they're going to go do something with the ball. If you had a bye week, at least you get to have a bye week before you play Central Catholic, right? Yeah, uh, this week uh, after the Oakdale game, definitely, uh, you know, felt soreness, definitely uh, <laughs> felt some hits after, definitely uh, kind of feeling them right uh, today too, you know, the next was so sore. But, uh, yeah, we're we're a banged-up team right now, uh, just trying to recover, get uh, – healthy stretch out every day with each other, you know, just trying to help each other out. But yeah, Central Catholic, uh, we know it's going to be a test, but we're ready. I'll, uh, I'll get you out of here on this one. What, uh, what's the room for improvement for this team? Where can you guys uh, continue to get better as you continue to go into the meat of the league season? Um, just clean up our little mistakes. Uh, every week we've made uh, some bonehead mistakes and I feel like if we clean those up, uh, it'll be a, lot cleaner game for us and I feel like uh, those mistakes go out the door we put more points up and we stop more offenses so that's why every week we're just trying to uh, clean up the mistakes and buy in as a team and just go in and you know try to win games sounds good man hey we appreciate you stopping by it's nice to hear a little about Kimball football and we wish you good luck the rest of the way I appreciate you guys for having me thank you I will continue to say if you buy a ticket to a game this year buy a ticket in the Valley Oak League you're gonna see some football yeah i appreciate it thank you <laughs> all right man take care thanks and now we're going to take a quick time out for a quick message from sports stars magazine's podcast partner the california army national guard we understand an upside down world but they're writing us off before we get to the starting line a stalled generation who do you think is going to fix all this we will because our future is the future the next greatest generation is now Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. And now, back to the show. Can't help but think Kimball's in good hands with Nicholas running the show. That Valley Oak title race is going to be something else. And now, it's time we transition to another guest. 
the third member of the Seven Friday Night Gang, Coach Terry Edson. Let's see if he has any grievances he needs to air this week. Well, once again, we are welcoming back Coach Terry Edson to the program. Coach, we have a bit is on his soapbox this week. He was very demonstrative. He's got some issues that he want he wanted to uh, get out there. So now it's it's time to see if what what you can bring to the program. So welcome back. What's on your mind today? Well, uh, one thing I wanted to uh, talk about today, it just is um. Uh, as the NFL season is kicking off and, you know, we're three games into it. One thing I want people to appreciate out there, and I don't know how many parents listen to this, but, uh, you know, the importance of coaching and especially at the high school level, how, you know, when you have a good coach and understanding really what a good coach is, and a good coach can get, the most out of his team's performance, regardless of the talent level. And there's so many different talent levels in high school. But the one thing you you notice, you know, in high school is, you know, like today you gave me um, Windsor High School, you know, the Windsor uh, Benicia game to talk about, you know, Paul Cronin went from Cardinal Newman in Windsor and, you know, look at Windsor. They're like one of the top teams in the North Bay right now. You know, they're scoring like 45 points a game. And you see it all the time. A lot of times, you know, people forget, you know, high school coaches, the impact a high school coach can make on a team. I think way more than a college or pro. I think Robert Sala is a great coach and did great things at the Niners. But you notice He's still with the Jets. <laughs> and right now, the Jets don't have – in the pros in college, if you don't have the talent, it, it doesn't matter how good of a coach you are. And, you know, and this is like, you know, getting into the sainthood of coaching. But right now, Bill Belichick, where where is he without Tom Brady? And I think you notice so many times in high school, people don't really realize – uh, the great job high school coaches do and how they get the most out of their kids. Like all coaches get ju- judged on wins and losses, but really it's to me is what, what are you getting the most out of your team? There's so many coaches like just by the fact they made it to the playoffs, like if Bill Belichick makes the playoffs and go out in the first round, New England's not going to be happy. They're not going to say, Hey, we made it to the playoffs, but so many high school coaches are doing great things with their teams, getting their kids, just getting them to that level, getting to that point. And I think that gets lost because high school kids, you don't get to, you know, you get what you have and you got to make a team out of it. You don't get to draft them. You don't get to recruit them. It's who's ever on your campus. And I just want to give a shout out because there's so much good coach, good coaches out there doing great things with their teams. And people are always looking at championships as the barometer if a coach is doing a great job. And I think that's just a shame because, in high school, um, these guys are, are not working with, you know, sometimes with stacked talent like they, they can be in, in college and in the pros. So I just kind of thought about that when I saw Robert Salad three oh and 3 with the Jets. And they're not looking too good right now. But then I look at Tom Brady and what he did for Tampa Bay. And it's like, players matter. I'll tell you that at that level. And so, you know, in high school, the coaches are doing a lot, I think a lot better things with a lot less. I just want to give a shout out to those guys who are doing that. 
Well, it is, uh, it's a big game week on campus on Winton Drive, um, and you've been through a few of these, so we thought we'd pick your brain on what it's like to have the bright lights of ESPN in town for, uh, in this case, De La Salle against St. Francis Academy of Baltimore, Maryland. Um, but the first question that I had for you um, about the whole ESPN process is from conception, what's it like for De La Salle to be approached to have games like this? And what goes into even a year or multiple years beforehand having to coordinate with a promoter or with an ESPN to get a, a marquee game on campus like this? First of all, it's, it's exciting for your program to play those teams. So anytime you're going to play a, a top ranked team throughout the country, it's exciting for your kids. It, it helps you in the off season, get them ready. They know they're going to have a tough team. They're going to be playing. So, you know, you can use that as motivation. So that's helpful. And teams don't, you don't want to travel across the country and I, I'm not predicting score, but you know, you don't want to travel across the country and, and, play a team and it's going to be running clock in the fourth quarter or something like that. You want to, you want to put your kids against good competition. So it's, it's easy for us to find competition nationally. The tricky part is, is the funding always and how are they, how are they going to get here? Because you, you, at least in Northern California, you know, you're never going to get 20,000 fans at a game to help pay for the costs and all that. I mean, that's just, it's just not going to happen. So ESPN, they help you. They can help you with that and, and cover, help cover some costs to help put the game on the air. So that makes it a lot easier. So like, we're not going to ever like a Dallas I mean, we've had some out of state games, some travel games, but we're not going to spend $50,000, as a school to travel and play a high school football game. It's just not going to happen. So you've got to get a situation where the funding is there. We're not going to charge the kids either $1,000 each <laughs> to play the game as well. So, you know, as long as – and that's the first time I ever did the game. You know, the first national game we did was Evangel Christian from Louisiana. That was the first ESPN game. And the only reason why we were able to put that game on is because – it was a fully funded game. Um, in other words, Evangel Christian had everything paid for by ESPN. We had to give them uh, ESPN whatever we made from the gate. We, you know, that went towards the cost towards towards the ESPN, they, so they can make back some of the money they they invested, which I was fine with. So that's how you work things out, and it's got to be attractive to ESPN too. So that's the other thing; they're not just going to take. Uh, any game they want a game that's going to raise some interest and be able to sell ads for and so this game was one of, of great interest you know St. Francis of course if you haven't seen it um, there's a net I think it's on Netflix I'm pretty sure it's net, it might be Amazon actually I don't know it's Netflix or Amazon the cost of winning it's like a three episode documentary really interesting about the school and and they work the work they do with the kids there and anybody that likes high school football, I, I would suggest to uh, check that out if you get a chance before the game, if you're going to go to the game, just to kind of see what they're about. At what point during the week does ESPN actually come on campus and try and start getting stuff ready and all that? Well, they, they were checking things out. Richard Zinn, who is local um, and, and run, ran, you know, uh, works with, used to where he's retired now, plays golf a lot. 
my dream. Uh, actually, I played with them this summer, actually, as a side note. But anyway, uh, Richard, I was on campus last Friday checking things out, getting, you know, looking at the lay of the land. They'll come in with their trucks, usually Thursday night. I think they'll start setting up. They'll start coming. They'll start uh, the, comment, the commentators and the announcer, whoever it is. They'll come in. They'll come to practice. They'll start, you know, the kids have already filled out questionnaires. Uh, for ESPN, they get some information that way. Um, they'll start talking to us and they'll start setting up by Friday, their morning. When I, by the time I go to school Friday morning, every, all the trucks, everything will be set up and they'll just be getting everything ready for the game. Do you, uh, have you ever had a, a, a producer who maybe hadn't been to De La Salle before walk in and go, the greatest high school program in the history of our country doesn't have like a 10,000 seat stadium. It's, this is well, it. Well, we used to get that all the time when the streak started getting some national recognition. And well, the, funny you should mention that because the first thing uh, ESP had said for the first national game, right. For um, Evangel was uh, we're not playing the game here. <laughs> that was the first thing they said. <laughs> So, so I had to take them over to DBC and they said, okay, this is much better. It's be a much better setup. Yeah. So that was the first thing. It's funny you should mention that because I was like, huh? Uh, but they've adjusted since then with us. But yeah, that was always, everybody would come. And that was always the first thought, like, it, wait, is this, is this it? And I go, yeah, this is it. Yeah, that's funny you should mention that. That was always everyone. We get people visiting, you know, across the country, people just wanted to come by and they'd walk into the front office. They go, I, we drove, that's not the football field out there. <laughs> I mean, we get that all the time. It was hilarious. Well, uh, we won't ask you to pick that game. I'm going to get uh, to the main points of the game though, at least. <laughs> what to look for. Sure. Give us the points yeah. of the game. Fantastic. Okay. Well, it's, it's for Del Sal to win. And uh, this is going to be super important. I've, I've looked, I've watched, uh, seen some St. Fran I've watched St. Francis on film. I mean, first of all, they're big. People are, <laughs> it's, I don't know what it's going to look like on TV, but it's going to be a lot of big guys looking against a lot of guys that aren't quite as big as them. I'll just tell you that right now. They have some size and we have some size, but we don't have across the line like that. This is a team where we're going to have to be able to run the option. They have pretty good DBs. It's going to be harder to throw on them. So if we're going to have to throw on them, and I think we can throw on them, but we're going to, it's going to have to be through play action. Um, they're going to have to run the option. We're going to have to not fumble the football. We've been doing that early in the season on the option, too many turnovers. So that's key number one. If we don't turn the ball over, I think we can run the option and uh, wear that defense down. They haven't been on the field a lot. You know, and, and against Aquinas they were. But even against Aquinas, they still have, they had the ball a pretty good amount of time. So when teams are traveling and all that, one thing you want to do is, especially defensive guys, keep them on the field. So hopefully we can do that, take some steam out of their defense. I think we're going to be okay against the defensively this week. The two guys we got to stop, the receiver number five, uh, and the receiver number four, and the running back number five. That's the guy, and the quarterback can wing it. But uh, I think, I don't know if they can beat us in the air. Their, their main thing is running the ball. And I think our run game, our run defense is picking up. So this could be interesting. I don't, I think a lot of people are thinking after the St. Francis game, oh, that's it for Del Sal, but don't give up on the Spartans just yet. All right. 
Sounds good. We gave you three other games. You had a what, what were you this week? Were you one and two? Did you finally slip a little bit? Yeah, but come on, man. I had a 13-point lead in the fourth quarter. Las Lomas got down to the one. Dougie, what happened? What, Dougie punches it in. I'm I'm three, I'm three and all again. So uh I told you Palo Alto, I got that. I've called that one pretty well. Um, so uh, I'm pretty confident about this week, too. So I'm more confident than I was last week. So here we go. Okay. So we'll start um, We'll start with the big one. We'll start with the, the fourth-ranked team in NorCal versus the seventh-ranked team in NorCal. It's uh, it's Bellarmine, uh, red-hot Bellarmine, traveling to Sarah of San Mateo. Sarah's, Sarah's ranked fourth? Sarah's ranked fourth. I'll be darned. Well, uh, look at. Let me tell you about this game. Okay, I'm gonna listen to some age and some wisdom here, you young bucks. Okay, let me tell you, this is one of those games. I'm first of all, I'm really happy to see Bellerman on the rebound. It's a great program. It's been great for a lot of years. So uh, I'm really excited for those kids that you know because they've had some down years and the coach's doing a great job with those kids, but. You know, the the team that's been there and, and you know, the one you got, when you got to knock the team off and you're going to their home field, I mean, Sarah's, they, they're, I'm sure they're, they're confident. They should be confident. They, they've been, a, a, they've been one of the top teams in that league and in that area for a while now. And uh, I think that Sarah's probably real excited and it comes down to, this is where you kind of puff your chest out and go, Okay, you know they're they're coming after the king, and you gotta you know you kind of gotta defend the school. I, I know Walsh. I know what he's doing. He's gonna play it up to that. No one believes in you. Everyone thinks Bellerman's better. You get no respect. I could I could be in the locker room right now. I know all this talk's gonna go. Gonna get them all fired up. That you know everyone thinks you know you've lost a step and yeah and uh, i but i believe in you and I, I know what's gonna happen here but bottom line is not yet bellerman's not ready to do it just yet they're still uh on that rebuilding trip sarah all the way i, I think sarah wins this game by two or more touchdowns we will uh head north next uh to benicia where uh, Paul Cronin, uh, who you mentioned earlier in the uh, uh, in the segment, uh, has his uh, new Windsor program, 4-0, and traveling down to a good Benicia team could be a preview of a of a Division three championship, maybe or a semifinal, something like that. What What are your thoughts on Windsor at Benicia? That's it. That is. Uh... Benicia is going to go as far as their quarterback Tyson Wallace takes him. You know he's. He can run, he can throw it, um, but I, I think Windsor's got, um, they've got a couple of seniors, you know, their quarterback, Chase, uh, I think it says B. Meyer, I think his name, and Makai Johnson is their running back. I, I just think this team is senior laden. They've got a really good coach in Paul Crone. I think he's opened up their offense for him. Um, I just think they're, I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's, it's going to definitely, I'll be shocked if it's not a high scoring game. It's going to be Perfect weather Friday night. So points we put on the board. But I, at the end of the day, though, I just think Paul's uh, Windsor team is just going to give Benicia a little bit too much more than they can handle. Last on the board, we go we go a little bit east, up into the Sacramento foothills, uh, where Oak Ridge and Coach Casey Taylor have uh, had some really tough, tough, close games lately. They're two and three now. 
but they're certainly, I mean, they've been in every game. Uh, they are hosting uh, Menlo Atherton, who uh, I know caused some chagrin out of you on Friday night. The Red Hot Bears, after taking down McClymans, they're, they're headed to Oak Ridge. Exactly. And this, this is something, you know, especially in high school, you know, when you're in college, they always talk about how hard it is to be on the road, but those dudes get to take airplanes, okay? And it's a lot easier to travel. Now, I don't know, Chase, I actually looked this up. Do you know how far of a drive, just without traffic it is from Menlo to El Dorado Hills? Do you have any idea? Uh, Miles-wise, I have no idea. It's two and a half hours. <laughs> I don't know it. what In time bus, guys, sure. I don't know if they're leaving school at 12. Here's the bottom line. This is going to, for high school kids, this is difficult because you're playing on the same day, right? I mean, uh, colleges always get in the night before. This is, takes you completely out of your rhythm. Because what do you think, if they're, I'm assuming they're going to take, I'm pretty sure they'll probably, uh, they're taking school buses. I'm taking Oak Ridge for sure. But <laughs> if they're uh, taking Greyhounds, I'll tell you what the kids are going to do. Guaranteed, they're going to sleep on that bus. That just, I'm telling you, it just takes you out of your rhythm because they don't sleep for two and a half hours on a normal game day. I used to hate Saturday games when we travel because, just simply because, the, you know, it's the kids, the rhythm is go to school, get a snack, whatever, go out with each other, hang out with each other, come to the locker room, play the game. When you get yourself out of your rhythm, and that's what's going to happen to Menlo, they're going to get themselves out of their rhythm. They're going to be sleeping. They're going to be groggy. Casey Taylor is a great coach. He's been had a tough schedule. He's got to take on, you know, Menlo's got, you know, McLeod, their quarterback, Fafita, their running back, Irby, their good wide receiver, and Jalen Moss. They got dudes. There's no doubt about it. What's going to counteract those dudes, though, is the travel. I just think it's, 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 uh, that's a brutal high school football game to travel that far. I, I think Menlo. You know, on a neutral field or at their place, they, it'd be a it'd be a good pick to take Menlo traveling up to Oak Ridge. Casey Taylor got to go with Oak Ridge on this one. I think the travel gets to him. I think that's fair. By the way, All Fresno right. State keeps winning, so the UCLA loss does not look that bad. Just want to keep pointing that's that true. out. Also true. I will be getting a chance to ask some questions of young Ronnie Rivers this week. I'm very excited. Oh, good. All right, boys. Well, thank you. Let's. Uh, Looking for, I'm looking forward to Friday night. So uh, seeing, I'm looking for Spartan Redemption. I'm looking for Spartan Redemption, a big game here. So all right, see what happens. Sounds good, Coach. Thanks. Another fine segment with Coach Edson. Uh, I don't think I will ever be able to match his fervor when it comes to the airing of grievances. But, you know, I'm getting there as I get older. Um, so on that note, now it's time to do a little uh, picking of the matchups that you have identified this week. And I will let you read the board from which we will choose from. All right. Well, before we jump into the matchups we'll be picking from, let me give you a rare tip of the cap for a fine four or two performance last week. You went two and one in regular picks, two and one in rapid fire, and I'm sure you'll let it all go to your head. So here me? we go. No. <laughs> This week's key games that we've got on the board here. St. Francis Academy of Baltimore in an ESPN tilt at number three, De La Salle, Concord. Number seven, Bellarmine San Jose at number four, Sarah San Mateo. 
Number five, Pittsburgh at number 14, McClemens of Oakland. Number six, Rockland goes to number 17, Granite Bay. Number 12, San Ramon Valley, after narrowly escaping Los Lomas, uh, will go to Foothill of Pleasanton. Number 18, Mineral Atherton, after its upset of McClemens, travels all the way to Oak Ridge of El Dorado Hills. And Windsor is coming down to play at Benicia in a matchup of non-ranked teams that is still quite enticing. So I will let you have the first tee. I am on the first tee. I have the honor because I will guarantee you that I, of the two of us, I watched more of the Ryder <laughs> Cup over the weekend. Go Team USA. Go Bryson DeChambeau. Go Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, USA. All right, that's enough golf talk. This week is absolutely bananas when it comes to top end games. So I'm going to start in Oakland, number five, Pittsburgh, coming off of a bye, heading to number 14, McClymans. Obviously, we've talked about the Warriors quite a bit over the last couple of weeks, and they are coming off a tough overtime loss at Menlo Atherton. Yes, this game is in Oakland. Yes, Max should be raring to go after last week's loss. But I truly think Pittsburgh is in the upper echelon this year. So give me the road team. Pirates go to the Mac House and get a victory. Uh, you are on the clock. All right. Well, we will stay right there in the Mac House, and I will make this my lock this week. I will take the Pirates. I was high on McClymans in our episode last week, and I still am, even after they let Menlo Atherton come from behind for an overtime victory last Friday. However, I've seen both teams in this game, and I think Pittsburgh is going to be a tough matchup for the Warriors regardless. Couple that with the fact that the Pirates are rested, healthy after a bye week. It's just, it's just a tough order for Mac. So taking Pittsburgh is my lock. For round two, we're going to take a stab at the one game we have up there between non-ranked teams, and I'm going to take Windsor. Coach Paul Cronin's first season at Windsor has featured a lot of lopsided wins over lesser opponents. This will be his first chance for a signature win on the road against the Venetia team that should be ready to see how it measures up against another very good Division Three team. I think a Jaguars offense that has scored no less than 40 in all four games this season is going to get it done and win this thing by about 10 points. So put me down for Windsor. You go. All right. Well, you, uh, you really are high locking that game in uh, with the Pirates. That is going to be a heck of a game. <laughs> but uh, I'm obviously doing the same thing, uh, albeit without a lock. So let me move along here. Let's do some Saturday selecting. <laughs> it's, it's West Catholic Athletic League time, baby. Bellarmine and Sarah. Uh, the Bells picked up a 38-6 to win over Reardon last week. Uh, Sarah got the league campaign started with a 38 nothing win over Mitty. Uh, I don't know that anyone has been more effusive in their praise of the Bells than me this year. And this is the ultimate test. So um, in, the, you know, in looking at one team that I know a little and one team I don't know quite as well, um, in the same way that I think Pittsburgh is in the upper echelon, I think the same of Sarah. Give me Coach Walsh and his merry band of Padres at home to get the win on what should be a glorious weather day in San Mateo. All right. So I will close it out here, and I'm going to go back north in the Sierra Foothill League because I only talk about, you know, a couple leagues. That's all I really care about, it seems. Um, <laughs> 
Rockland checks in this week at number six in the rankings. They're heading to number 17, Granite Bay. I will use your pun. The Thunder are indeed rolling. And in league, they've beaten Whitney and Del Oro by a combined score of 77 to 10. Meanwhile, Granite Bay is also on a serious roll. It's coming off league wins over Del Oro and Oak Ridge. The complicating factor for me here, and the only thing that gives me pause, is the fact that this is game number six of the season. It's the first time that Rockland is leaving its own home field. Uh, that said, we've been high on them all year, and I'm not going to stray now. Give me Rockland on the road to stay undefeated, and since I locked them in last week and they paid it off, I will do the same this week. Wow. Taking the number four, number five, and number six ranked teams this week. You're, you're bold. Give me the chalk. <laughs> okay. Well, I am staying in the uh, Sierra Foothill League and picking a Sierra Foothill League team, though not in that game. Uh, I placed, uh, I picked Kimball last week to win an upset, and it worked out. I'm going to roll with another underdog this week, too. Give me the Trojans of Oak Ridge to hold off a Menlo Arthur and Bears team that just jumped back into the rankings after beating McClymans. Oak Ridge nearly upset its own ranked opponent last week before falling to Granite Bay 21-20. Casey Taylor teams consistently get better as the season progresses, and I think we're seeing it in this Trojans team as well. They get the W against a road-weary Bears team that may still be feeling a little good about its win over Mac. So that's where I'm headed. Give me the Trojans. This is phenomenal. If if (laughs) Menlo Atherton wins again in spite of us and now you, I I think we got to get them on the pod sometime (laughs) soon. Yeah, just to shut us down for real. Absolutely. Yeah. No faith in Menlo no Atherton. Faith. Yeah. Fuel to their fire. That's right. All yeah. right. You ready for some quick picks? Yes. You All started. Right. Let's go. I'm going first. We are going to start with the obvious because we've been talking about it today on this episode. Central Catholic of Modesto, Oakdale, the continued fight for Valley Oak supremacy. <laughs> Both teams are four and one. And while Oakdale lost a 63-56 shootout against uh our guy, Nick Coronado and Kimball last week, a game you picked correctly. Thanks to your new BFF. <laughs> the algorithm at Cal preps has Oakdale winning this week at home by two touchdowns. Are you willing to pick against the Hal 9,000 or is the autumn wind indeed a Raider? Oh my goodness. So I don't think, I think I'm over three on all games involving central Catholic this year. So not not a good start. <laughs> Picked against them twice and they won. Picked them and they lost. So I'm I'm at I don't I don't even know where I'm going to go here. I think Central Catholic wins. I think the Raiders can get it done. Even though Oakdale, whew, it's never it's never it's never easy to win at the Corral. So, boom Raiders got it. If you're picking NFL games, you'd be in good shape. <laughs> uh, All right, we've still got a few intersectional matchups left to go this year, and there's one in Livermore this week that is interesting. Can you tell me which Oakland school has the best overall record right now? Oh. Is it the Fremont? The answer is indeed the Fremont Tigers. Shout out Coach Omari Murphy and his squad. And this week, they are traveling to the outer reaches of the Tri-Valley to take on Granada. Quick dive into the memory banks here before we pick the game. Fremont was once home to one of my all-time favorite player nicknames. Defensive lineman Sione Tupawada, 
who was a heck of a football player, was affectionately known as Concrete. <laughs> this week. We did have fun with Concrete. Yes. Love Concrete. Jimmy Durkin, our friend, friend of the program, love Concrete. So this week, do the Tigers maul the Matadors? Or do the Matadors deftly step out of the way as if they were running with the Bulls in Pamplona? Uh, I'm going to say, I think I'm going to give Fremont a nod. I don't know a whole lot about either team, but I will. I will see. If, I'll see if Fremont can uh, can turn some heads. That'd be good. Riding with a hot hand. I like it. Yeah. All right. Let's finish up in the De Anza League. Wilcox couldn't write the ship last week against Los Gatos in its league opener, while Mountain View rolled to a win over Milpitas. We covered last week that Wilcox's record is skewed in the negative direction, while Mountain View is sitting at a strong four and one. The game's in Santa Clara at Wilcox. Who you got? Oh, we're going Chargers. Chargers, baby. Wilcox, Wilcox is they're they are due and they are they're finally playing an opponent. I think they match up well against. Give me Wilcox. Justin Herbert is not walking through that door, <laughs> but we will see what happens. Now, bonus pick. I'm breaking the rules for my last game because it's the game of the week in the country. Trinity League, modern day, St. John Bosco. Does Coach Rollinson roll, or will he be saying, what, no Bosco? <laughs> Modern day wins. Ooh, boom. Modern day wins. All right. All what right, are, what, what you are your thoughts on that game? Yeah, I'm taking Modern day. Yeah. <laughs> <Let's be real. laughs> we'll start with the team you've seen. How about that? We all know what Cal's been able to do on offense and what Dublin has been able to do on defense. Can the Grizzlies keep things going on the road? Cal at Dublin, who you got? Rolling balls of knives do not dissuade grizzly bears, my friend. <laughs> Give me the grizzlies. All right. All right, here. So another team that you've been high on in the past on the show, although they were just thoroughly humbled by Jesuit last week. Endercombe Tigers took a tough 45-0 loss last week, their first loss of the year, and now they travel to a Wood Creek team that is outscoring opponents by an average of 41 to five through six games. Endercom at Wood Creek of Roseville. Hmm. Endercom, upset, right. baby. <laughs> I don't know if that's an upset. It's not an upset. It's a good game. Probably not, but it's, it's, a, it's a good league. It's a big league game in that league for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, no, okay, now a game I nearly put in our list for primary picks. San Benito of Hollister. It's 5-0 with a win over a good Wilcox team, though not record not shown there. But can they seize control of the Pacific Coast Gavilan Division by taking down the number 19-ranked Salinas Cowboys? Hmm. At Salinas. At Salinas. That makes a difference here. You know, it's a tough one. It is. Cowboys have experience with bailing hay. <laughs> Give me salinas at home the the last time i i picked a salinas game they thrashed aptos and i loved aptos so you know yeah makes sense right i don't know hey baylor pride baby (laughs) that brings another episode of seven friday night to a close we want to thank kimball quarterback nicholas cordato once again for joining us and of course coach terry edson for stopping by as usual Make sure you keep an eye out for a possible bonus episode next week as Coach Edson brings a few friends by to mark the 20th anniversary of the landmark game between De La Salle 
and Long Beach Poly back when the streak was still a streak. Seven Friday Night is available on several platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. If you listen to shows on one of those platforms, search for seven, the number seven, Friday night, and please rate and subscribe. We build seven Friday night using Anchor, and you can leave a voice message for us by visiting anchor.fm slash the number seven Friday night. Each of our episodes also get their own dedicated page on Sports Stars Magazine's web home, sportsstarsmag.com. You can stream the episode there, find links to the various other platforms, and check out a variety of bonus items that we tend to include. Our cover art was designed by me using a photo by the late, great Norbert Vondergroven, and our theme music was written and performed by Dustin Phillips, who plays in multiple bands in the Sacramento area, and we do promise to give you some tour dates at some point so you can see him shred his bass. Let's get some final thoughts, Ben. Yeah, it's, you know, it's another quality week. Really great games out there. We're into the meat of the season now, and I think we're starting to get a pretty good handle on the season that might yet be to come. I will admit, I just did scroll through my TV listings earlier today, and I am a bit bummed that I don't get whatever the heck Valley Sports West is in order to watch Bosco Modern Day. Um, I'm also bummed because I don't have the uh, 500 shekels to spend on a four-pack of tickets on Craigslist. Oh, Friend of the show, Eric Sondheimer from the LA Times, spotted that listing. It's an insane world that we live in, but I'm looking forward to uh, DVRing the De La Salle St. Francis Academy game to watch when I get home from my game, and it'll be a glorious night of football on Friday night, uh, both on a field, locally, and here at home. I want to take this opportunity for a couple quick shout outs. There's some programs that we've covered over the years that don't get a lot of publicity. I know we're a high school football show. But a lot of those players end up at junior colleges, Dabo Valley College Football, now 3-0 and and up to 11 in the CCCAA coaches poll. Nice work, Mike Darn and the boys. Meanwhile, in San Pablo, the Comets of Contra Costa College are 4-0, and with a forfeit in there, it looks like, for the first time in 50 years after a win over Monterey Peninsula. So whether it's three wins or four, shout out Otis Yelverton and the boys on Mission Bell Drive. So... I'm all about peace and love this week. <laughs> Let's just get all, all get along and watch the greatness of high school football unfold before our very eyes. How about that? You're going to go watch some high school football this week. What say you about the week to come? Well, I think it will be a great time to get back out on a sideline for the remainder of the season. You will no longer be abandoned. I'm here for the long haul. Now all future Fridays appear open on my schedule including this one, which I'm very excited to see unfold. College football has their, um, has their say on separation Saturday, right? So, you know, this is, this is one of those weeks in high school football. There's a lot of teams that, that can really separate themselves into a, into a higher tier, an upper echelon, a time that they can prove it, that they belong. Uh, and then there's some teams that are biting right on their heels, too, that really want to prove that they, they, need, they can be in that same conversation. So, Let's let the games unfold. Let's uh, let peace and love reign. And we will see everybody next week on 7 Friday night. Peace and love, my brothers and sisters. Let's roll, boys. <laughs> <laughs>